Bill Walsh, Tom Landry, Chuck Noll, Bill Belichick. What do those four names have in common? Well, they were all put in the same sentence by Saints general manager Mickey Loomis with current Saints coach Dennis Allen. How far-fetched is that, and what planet are we all living on? Maybe it's planet Datitude. We'll talk to Larry Holder about it. We'll have our NFL divisional playoff picks. It's all coming up next on this wonderful, beautiful Friday morning. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where are you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere, everywhere, out there, who are so damn happy their kids are back in school. What in the hell was that all about? That's just one of the fun topics we're going to have here on Datitude episode Number 205, 205, that is, 205, whatever way you want to do it. Maybe it's 502. No, it's 205. For a Friday, January the 19th, 2024, I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times Picking and the Advocate and bet.nola.com. It was cold. I, I, look, I, I threw this on Facebook earlier in the week, and I make fun of this, but it really pisses me off every time I bring it up or mention it. Is anyone else but me completely sick of a phrase that has come out of nowhere the past five to eight years? I, know, I don't think I even heard, if I heard this phrase before five or eight years ago, I certainly don't remember it. But now it's like used constantly by everyone. Everyone, especially in the school system. The phrase, out of an abundance of caution, what in the holy hell does that even mean? In other words, we have days built into our school system to take off, and by God, we have a reason to use them. Now, look, if you're from the New Orleans area, I sort of understand Tuesday. I don't necessarily agree with it. There was like a speck of ice on a road somewhere, so whatever. But Wednesday, it was cold. It's like 19 degrees. Yeah, it's cold. But... Uh, uh, is, are any kids going to school outside somewhere? Am I missing something? I, I'm just so sick of this. Oh, it's going to rain. They're going to have like two inches of rain tomorrow. Like, like the New Orleans area has never had two inches of rain before. They close school for everything now. Everything. I mean, how many days do they build into the school? When do they go to school? How many days of school? And I used to cover the school board. I don't remember the words out of an abundance of caution being used when I covered the St. Tammany school system from 2009, I guess, to 2013 or whatever it was. I don't remember. I mean, maybe it was used then. I don't think so. Maybe Gail Sloan and Trey Fulce used it. I don't remember. Trey, you can tell, Trey listens to the show. May, you can tell me if you used those terms back then. Now, I know he used it a lot towards the end, 
and I know he disagrees with me right now. He's probably shaking his head at his phone if he's listening. But I, I, I mean, come on, man. Just because we have them built into the, the days, we don't need to use them. Give me a break. I digress from what we're here to really talk about anyway. But it's so frustrating and disappointing, and frankly, it's kind of depressing. Dennis Allen. I mean, we all really knew deep down in our hearts that he wasn't going anywhere. And, like, I built myself up to where what made sense. Like, you think sometimes that teams are going to do what makes sense. Not only do the Saints not do what makes sense, and they keep Dennis Allen, I mean, at least they got rid of the Sean Payton's little clipboard holder. Again, I feel bad for saying that. I wasn't wishing for the demise. Look, Pete Carmichael's got a lot of money. I don't think anybody has to worry about what Pete Carmichael and his family are going to do money-wise. I'm sure they're fine for the rest of their lives. So when I talk about feeling bad, it's, like, it's not like I'm going to sit here and, you know, cry about it. Oh, I shouldn't have been that mean. The dude lost his job. Yeah, I feel bad about it. I mean, one, one day I might lose my job. Is anyone going to care? No. Besides my little circle, no. No one's going to care. Even the people listening to the podcast, hopefully I would still be able to do the podcast, but even if I didn't, they'd get over it in a couple days or less, whatever. Maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. But the point is they needed to do these things, but they needed to take it a step further. And what makes this whole thing worse is the things that Mickey Loomis said in his press conference. Now, it's bad enough. He went to the press conference chewing gum for an hour. Not exaggerating. If you didn't hear the press conference, the dude was chewing gum for an hour and smacking in our ears while he was talking. I love Mickey Loomis. He's been on this show. I'm appreciative greatly for what Mickey Loomis has brought to this. There are so many levels this franchise would never have reached had Mickey Loomis not been hired as general manager way back 20-plus years ago now. But I don't need you to blow smoke up my ass. I really don't. These guys come out, and they feel like they always need to be, like, super positive. And I'm not saying you need to come out. You're not going to trash a guy that you decided to keep. You decided to keep Dennis Allen. We don't agree with it. Fine. But don't come out and say, compare him to the greats of the game and have a card prepared on what Tom Landry's record was, what Bill Belichick's record was, Bill Walsh, Chuck Noll. I mean, come on, man. Are you serious right now? I mean, he doesn't belong in the same sentence with those guys. He doesn't belong in the same paragraph. He doesn't belong in the same press conference, hour-long speech with those guys. And whether he turns things around or not, and makes this team a winning franchise, does anyone, first of all, does anyone believe that? I mean, I hope I'm sitting here next year eating crow. I hope I sit here in this, this show next year and say, you know what? Thank God they kept Dennis Allen. I was 100%. I will play back this clip and make myself look like the biggest dumbass on planet Earth if I'm wrong about this. Does anyone out there think, that this dude's going to turn things around. I did a blog this morning, and I talk about it with Larry coming up. There have been 157 coaches in the history of the National Football League who have coached at least 70 games, 70 games or more. Dennis Allen's right at 70. Just so happens that he made this list. 157 of them. 
How many of those 157, since we're comparing them to the greats of the game, how many of those 157 have a worse winning percentage than Dennis Allen? You know what? I'm going to save the answer until we get to Larry coming up. But I'll tell you some names around him. Dan Henning, Romeo Cornell, Marion Campbell, Joe Bugle, David Shula. Ever heard of those names? What do you think of when you think of those guys? I'll tell you who's near the top of the list. John Madden, Vince Lombardi, George Allen, George Hallis, Don Shula. You know who's in the top ten? Matt LaFleur. That's right, the Packers head coach. You know who's in the top 30? Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, and this is no particular order, by the way. Tom Landry. Actually, Tom Landry is number 32. He's, point, he's uh, 607, 60.7 winning percentage. Bill Cower, Bill Walsh, Tony Dungy. George Seifert, those are all names in the top 30. I, I mean, look, it's ridiculous. The gum chomping, all I can think about was chopping wood. We're chopping wood and chewing gum. That's what this franchise is doing. Chopping wood and chewing gum. Let's listen. If you don't believe me that he actually did it, let's let you listen to it and come back. Look, I was prepared for this question, right? <laughs> Chuck Knoll, his first three years, Hall of Fame coach. He was one and thirteen, five and nine, six and eight. But they recognize that this guy's a good football coach, right? Bill Belichick. Here's his first three seasons: six and ten, seven and nine, seven and nine. Tom Landry, zero and eleven, four and nine, five and eight, four and ten, five and eight. Hall of Fame coaches, all of them. Bill Walsh, first year, two and fourteen. Second year, six and ten. So I think the easy thing to do is just look at the results and say, "Oh no, we've got to have a change." You got to look beyond that. You know, what are the reasons why we were nine and eight instead of, you know, thirteen and four? Oh, hold on, stop right there. Stop right there. I'll tell you the reason, Mickey Loomis. Love you, love you to death. I got full respect for you, but you're blowing smoke up our ass. I'll tell you. The reason why they were nine and eight and not thirteen and four. Did you watch how the last two hours of this season unfolded with your team whipping the hated Atlanta Falcons, Keisters? And then at midfield after the game, your coach apologized to a heated rival's op 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 opponent's coach, whatever, however you want to say it a coach that would be fired before he even got back to Atlanta? He apologized to him, and then threw his players under the bus, and then his players basically threw him under the bus. That's why your team didn't go 13 and four. Oh, and the little clipboard holder didn't have any, any clue what he was doing. Tried to be cute and funny and whatever. Uh, has a good game plan one week, had an absolutely awful game plan the next week. No consistency. Kind of like this team, no consistency. Winning four out of your last five games doesn't make you a consistent team. But you want to know the reason why 
the team didn't win 13 games and only won nine against a historically easy schedule. That's why. Are we supposed to be happy that he won nine games and failed to make the playoffs? He had a chance to make the playoffs going into the last week, but needed help and didn't get it? Had they held on to a 17 and nothing lead in week three in the fourth quarter, they'd have been in the playoffs, would have beaten Philadelphia in the first round, probably going to Detroit and lost this week. All that would have done is put lipstick on a pig because maybe we wouldn't have seen the, well, we would have because it would have happened the same way. Lost the locker room. When you lose the locker room, that's all we need to see. So if you want to answer that question, there's the answer to that question. Now let's keep going. And look, it's, it's collective. It's the players. It's the coaches. It's me. It's our personnel staff, our roster. It's variables sometimes that we don't have any control of. Um, and so I, I, my assessment is Dennis Allen is a good coach. And again, you know, with Sean Payton, we went 10-6 and six the first year, but then we were 7-9, and 8-8, eight and, eight, and I heard some of the same noise. Big difference. Sean Payton's first year, he took a team that had no business going to the playoffs and went to the NFC Championship game and showed fans, media, and everyone alike what they could look forward to for the next however many years. What has Dennis Allen shown that this franchise can look forward to? A divided locker room? that maybe, if you're lucky, finishes with a mediocre record, and we're going to be sitting here next year talking about who the next Saints coach is, because it's going to happen. This team is going to be mediocre again next year. Next year, Look, supposedly, they have an easy schedule. I mean, maybe because this division's so bad that they do win the division with an 8-9 record. What happens then? What happens if they have the same exact season next year? What happens if they bring in some offensive coordinator that makes the offense look a little better, the defense looks a little worse, they go 8-9, and nine, and that's good enough to win, go to the playoffs, and then they get smoked? Do we do this all over again in 2025? Probably. Because what Nikki Loomis is telling us is mediocrity is acceptable here. I don't want to hear what Bill Walsh did in 1978 in his first few seasons. I don't want to hear what Tom Landry did in 1960. I don't want to hear what Chuck Knoll did in 1963 or whatever the hell year he started with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Different times. Even Bill Belichick back in the day. Did he have a rough start in first year in Cleveland and then New England without Tom Brady? Sure he did. That's completely different. He wasn't, we didn't see, into, at no point I don't think did anyone have a lack of respect for Dennis Allen. Go back and show me where any of those teams were dissing their coach, the players were. There were no social media back then, I get it. So it's different now, and it's easier to see through. But that's only, that's another reason that you don't have to wait. That's why these teams don't wait anymore. It's so much easier to see through everything. It's, everything is way more transparent these days than they were back even 20 years ago when Bill Belichick was taking over. 
23 years ago, to be a matter, as a matter of fact. But to compare Dennis Allen with those coaches you mentioned, to pull that card out and to do that, I don't believe, I have too much respect for you, Mickey Loomis, to believe for one second that you think Dennis Allen can be any one of those four guys. Way too much respect for you, Mickey Loomis. I don't believe it. So why say it? Don't try to make me believe something that you know in your heart isn't true. I'm not telling you to come out and blast your head coach. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Come out and say, you know what, there are some things that I saw towards the end of the season that lead me to believe that Dennis Allen is the right person for this job for the future. Fine. I wouldn't have any qualms with that. I mean, I might have a, a retort, but I wouldn't be coming out blasting what you said because you're comparing him to four of the greatest men who have ever coached this game, ever. Come on, man. You're not talking to a bunch of idiots, okay? You're talking to people who are diehards, who have been watching this team throughout their entire lives. We've seen this movie before. It was the same movie with Jim Haslam. Was he able to get in the playoffs and win a game? Sure. He became mediocre, and the Saints sat on him for too long because it's what this team does. It's the opposite of what John Meekham did back in the day when they had Hank Stram, who, by the way, is on this list and towards the top. The Saints fired Hank Stram after a season and a half. It's the complete opposite of the early Saints who didn't give a coach a chance. No, this group is the opposite. They basically make a coach. Make you fire a coach is what this group does. But that's what we're here. We're going to try to look forward. Who's going to be the next offensive coordinator? Does it matter? Yeah. But I had to get that out of my system. I had to get it out of my system that we're chopping wood and chewing gum. Don't come out and... Tell me everything's going to be okay and great and we're going to make this franchise something that no one believes it's going to be. I mean, because no one has shown that the, this, this team, you know, Mike Triplett asked a question before this about this team being old, and I didn't realize. I knew they were old. I didn't know they were old, the oldest franchise in the NFL. You can't, turn, you can't spin that. You can try, and he kind of glossed over it, but not only are they the oldest franchise in the NFL, they are by far, and I mean by far, the most cap-strapped team in the National Football League. You don't just get over that. You don't just make the... In other words, it's going to be status quo and whatever you get in the draft. You better have a really damn good draft. And going by what you've done the past few years, that ain't happening. I mean, you got Chris Olave and Paulson Adebo... Great. You also got Peyton Turner and Trevor Penning. And Isaiah Foskey. I mean, I'm just trying to be realistic. And you know what? That's all I'm asking you to be, realistic. And realistic is not Bill Walsh, Tom Landry, Bill Belichick, Chuck Noll, for crying out loud. Who is going to be the, the next Saints offensive coordinator? Look, I don't know a whole lot about Ronald Curry, 
and he may end up being a fantastic coach. But if this team doesn't do its due diligence and go outside of the building, I think they're doing a grave injustice to Saints fans. That's my opinion. Because you didn't do deal. We said this before. There was no due diligence when Dennis Allen was hired here. They were certain they were hiring Dennis Allen. Eric Bieniemy came in, had a six-hour interview, and I'm just wondering if Mickey Loomis was sitting there chewing gum thinking, how long do I have to listen to this because we ain't hiring Eric Bieniemy? Not even saying they should have hired Eric Bieniemy. Whoever else they brought in back then. They weren't listening to any of those people. Aaron Glenn. They weren't giving Aaron Glenn a real chance. They went through and did their due diligence when it came to the Rooney rule because they had to. But they weren't hiring anyone but Dennis Allen. Everyone knew that. That's the problem I had with Dennis Allen. He may, no matter where we are now, at the time, look, I get, and I say this all the time, I understand hindsight's twenty twenty. At the time, when you look at who was available for this franchise, you can say, you know, the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel and Doug Peterson won at Jacksonville. That's not working out great right now. But whatever, you can go through a list of coaches that were hired around that time. And you can point out coaches that were available and guys the Saints could have had or whatever. Maybe the Saints couldn't have had all those guys. Maybe those guys were going to those franchises. So hindsight's twenty twenty. I get that. Maybe at that point in time, Dennis Allen was the right person for the job. But you can't tell me that you didn't make up your mind about that before you even talked to anyone else, because you did. That's as transparent to see through as a glass that was just sprayed with Windex, Rain-X, whatever you want to use. You can sit, read, we could read through that easier than we can read through Charlotte's Web. It's not hard to figure out that Dennis Allen is going to be the coach of this, this team. Again, maybe he was the best candidate, but we don't know that. You don't know that because you didn't give anyone a real chance. So what I'm saying when it comes to offensive coordinator is, please, do due diligence. If it takes three weeks to make this hire, then make it take three weeks. Don't just hire Ronald Curry because he's in the building, and that's what you like to do. Maybe there are 12 candidates you want to talk to. Maybe something comes open. Maybe someone comes open in the next week or so. Don't rush to judgment. I actually... Hope we're not sitting here next week talking about who the new offensive coordinator is going to be. Because if they do that, they didn't spend enough time, in my opinion. How long is long enough? I have no idea. But we'll know. Talk to more than four, five, six people. We'll see if they do that. Um, you know, I put, a, I put a thing out on bet.nola.com uh, a couple days ago about odds on who I thought. There are no odds out there, so I had made up my own odds on who the candidates, the top candidates would be. There are bunches of them. There are probably 10, 12, 14 maybe candidates we don't even know of. Top of the list, I had Ronald Curry. I give him a better than two-to-one chance to win the job again. Because of, I'm not saying that's who I would hire, obviously. I think a lot of Saints fans are going to be pissed off if that's the hire they make. Not that 
anyone inside of the building on Saints Drive gives a damn. But he's inside the building, and they like to hire from within, obviously. Is that the route they're going to go? Are they going to bring in John Gruden? Look, I don't think so. I just don't. I think there's too much baggage with John Gruden. I'm not saying rightly, wrongly. I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into it one way or the other. I'm not giving an opinion on that. I'm just telling you that I don't think this franchise, where they are right now, can afford to bring in a John. John Gruden might be the best offensive mind that's available on this planet right now. He might be. But that doesn't mean the Saints should hire him. All you people out there who thinks the NFL hates the Saints, which I don't agree, by the way, but all you people out there who thinks the NFL hates the Saints, can you imagine if they brought in John Gruden? Then they'd really hate the Saints. There'd be no doubt about it then. You may be kissing future Super Bowls goodbye. I'm not kidding. I just don't think the Saints are wanting to do that. I really don't think. Now, they may bring him in in some capacity as a consultant, like a permanent consultant. I could see that. And having him on board in case you need an interim coach next year, that's also a possibility. And I think I'd be more inclined to, if you were looking for a head coach, if you're going to thumb your nose at the NFL, I don't think you're going to do it for an offensive coordinator. You're more inclined to do it for a head coach. Again, I'm not saying John Gruden should be the next head coach. I'm telling you what I think is being considered. So I think there's a much more chance that you see John Gruden in the building on a permanent basis, but not as the OC. Helping out with the game, with the week of game plans, if they hire some young OC, which is actually the route that I'd like to see him take, is especially if it's a Ronald Curry, having a John Gruden in the building to help him, but you've got to make sure that that would be okay with the players. Not that they care, because it doesn't look like Dennis Allen is what the players want, but they're keeping him. So that's I'm not going back to that. You know how I feel about it. So I think that, I don't know. I just don't think John Gruden is, is going to be there. I think it's going to be someone actually, my gut feeling tells me it's going to be someone that we're not really talking about a whole lot right now. I mean, rumor is Cliff King Kingsbury, who was the head coach at Arizona and was the head coach at Texas Tech, is probably going to go somewhere else. People are talking about uh, Clint Kubiak. I mean, the name's Kubiak. He's got to know something about offense, right? So we'll see how uh, this all plays out. We'll probably talk more about this next week on Datitude, but uh, that's where we are right now in the search. Very early, do your due diligence, Saints. We'll see. What does Larry Holder think? We spent a lot of time talking about this. Uh, we got into a range of topics. We got into, we talked more about the OC part than we probably talked about Dennis Allen because I knew I was going to spend a lot of time in my monologue talking about Dennis Allen. Um, so let's hear from Larry. We'll make our picks for the NFL divisional round of playoffs, and then I'll come back and wrap it up here. Larry Holder, how are you on this Friday morning? Look, as I predicted, there will be something to talk about Saints-wise, uh, and uh, it might not be exactly what everyone was hoping for. This is right. something you and me have talked about in the change of Pete Carmichael uh, being let go as offensive coordinator. Uh, we knew that was coming, uh, but I'm sure people were looking for uh, bigger fish to fry, and that obviously is not the case. 
We are most certainly going to get into the Dennis Allen aspect uh, and staying here. Look, I've been very uh, public about my feelings the past couple of weeks since the season ended and how my feelings have changed, and uh, I get it more into it and probably a little bit harsher in my monologue portion of this uh, show, which you can find wherever you find your podcast. When I'm Obviously, we have to finish this first because that's part of the podcast, but you go search for Datitude and you see episode number 205, which will appear around noon or a little before that, you can hear my monologue. But uh, here with Larry Holder of The Athletic, and look, uh, again, we'll talk about Dennis Allen in a minute, but I want to get into the question of the moment. Uh, and the question of the moment is what you see up there. What are the Saints looking for in hiring our new OC? You know, even throughout your time in covering this team, you didn't go through a whole lot of change. You had a lot of Sean Payton who even though Pete Carmichael was the OC from 2009 on, in essence, it was Sean Payton. So it's hard to judge and hard to figure out where this team might go. But just from your time covering the team, do you think it's more of an, of an inside thing with Ronald Curry? Or do you think it's more of we're going to go outside and, and truly and do due diligence and interview candidates from the outside? I mean, offensively, it, yeah, it was certainly the only time it changed was – when Sean Payton was out for the 2020, uh, the 2012 season, <laughs> when uh, Pete Carmichael had to take over uh, as OC. That went he, well. Yeah, well, uh, the offense was fine. Defense was not so swell, which uh, why Steve Spagnuolo was one and done. Uh, but, uh, look, if, if uh, I'm thinking that Dennis Allen knows his job is on the line, so I think they 100%. go outside the building. Uh, you know, I know uh, Ronald Curry – is certainly highly thought of, uh, but I think they need something, a change of pace from and a fresh voice from outside the building. And I'm like, I don't, I, I haven't necessarily followed it close enough to see who could be their candidates. Uh, right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts throughout the league right now. I mean, since last nice. we spoke, uh, you know, look, it's a, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's gone, Mike Frabel's gone, Pete Carroll, all of this. Like, you're having all of these uh, coaching searches and names are flying everywhere. No one's made hires yet because you really can't uh, because of the way the uh, the interview process is going. So this is going to extend a little further than maybe you might want. But still, uh, yeah, I think that they have to have a wide open candidate pool, uh, which was different than what they did when they hired Dennis Allen uh, you know, even though they talked to people, some of them were still connected to the Saints. You need to go outside the building and get some fresh voices, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, that wasn't a real search. Uh, let's let's get let's be honest about it. They, they did not search for anyone. I think they went through the process of you know complying with the Rooney Rule and those sorts of things. But Dennis Allen was getting hired. I mean, there's no, no question about it. And that's one of the problems I had. Whether Dennis Allen was the was the best candidate for the job, I mean, sure. You go back and say, you know, tw- hindsight's twenty twenty. So I'm not even arguing that Dennis Allen wasn't the best candidate for the job. What I'm saying is I don't think this team did enough due gil- diligence, and that's what worries me about this position. But I agree with you that Dennis Allen's job is on the line, so I do think this is a little bit different. So, Marianne, the answer, the answer to your question, new OC yet, the answer is no, and it's going gonna, gonna to be a little while. There are lots of dominoes that need to fall uh, here. And you see the stuff on the bottom of the screen. You see the graphics that I put together. I did a little, put a little story up on NOLA.com this morning, a post or whatever you want to call it. Larry, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there have been 157 
NFL coaches in league history who have coached at least 70 games. And Mickey Loomis was comparing his current coach to the likes of, well, let's just put the, the picture up there. I mean, he was co comparing the, his coach to Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, Chuck Noll, and Tom Landry. I mean, that, I mean, does he exactly fit in with these guys? I'm going to tell you with the number and where he ranks. Well, I mean, you kind of have a inkling by the graphic that I have there at the bottom. That's just since 1990. But 157 coaches have coached at least 70 games. Where does Dennis Allen rank on that list? I'm scared to even ask. I, 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 I don't know. I will say here's the thing before you give me the answer. Uh, in Robert Kraft's uh, going away Bill Belichick press conference, he certainly said that it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily a popular move when he hired Belichick because Belichick wasn't Belichick yet. Uh, and so like, you could say so-and-so isn't LeBron James yet, you know, and then he come, becomes, you know, you could, yeah. I, I, that was spin control, but no, all right, I'm, I'm intrigued. Jim, where do we go from here? Okay, so he's comparing, uh, like we said, with the likes of Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, Chuck Noll, Tom Landry. If you go by rankings and winning percentage, he really should be compared with the likes of Dan Henning, Romeo Cornell, Marion Campbell, Joe Bugle, and David Shula. Because Dennis Allen on the list of 157 in winning percentage ranks 150th. So I don't give a damn whether he is, you know, what could happen in the future. And this is with a 9-8 and eight season. He just had a winning season. He still ranks 150th among those coaches. So he ranked worse than that before the season started. That gave him a boost. You can see on the screen here, since 1990, of coaches that have coached at least 70 games, he is fourth worst ever. Well, ever. Fourth worst in the last 34 years. I mean, that's saying something to me. Well, it's certainly saying something, and it's, it, it, but it goes back to the way that the organization operates, the way that Mickey Loomis operates. He's, uh, he's more methodical and and you know and deliberate in his approach rather than impulsive, and yet uh, sometimes impulsive needs to happen. And we could argue back and forth whether Dennis. Deserves to be around. Oh, I don't uh, think we, we know. There, but we know the agree. Saints thinking. Like it doesn't matter what we think. There's no question. There's a reason why Mickey came out and defended Allen and threw all these names out. Like they have a th different thought process uh, than other people. And and here's the here's the difference. It's uh, you know we're used to success now with right. the Saints. We're not used to them struggling. And uh, say if. Sean Payton, uh, you know, hadn't gotten to where he got in 2009. I mean, you have to wonder, would that have been it for Sean Payton? Uh, but it's like, it seems like whenever he had his back maybe against the wall, perception-wise, and maybe he, Payton didn't even really have his back against the wall perception-wise because they went, how many years did they go with Hazlitt? Six? So Six. Sean Payton, you know, after going to an NFC Championship game, then they had two mediocre years, and now it would have been year four. Would they have gone another year? So, like, it's that's just their their approach. And like, whenever Sean's back was against the wall, they rebounded. Like, yeah. uh, once you go eight and eight, Super Bowl win. It's three years of seven and nine, and then all of a sudden five years. So that in their eyes, 
oh, well, we're improving. Uh, the record's better. So, like, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what they're thinking. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I've said this before. You talk about Jim Haslett. I mean, I think if, if Katrina doesn't happen, which in, in turn forced the 3-13 and 13 season, and I think anyone, I'm not blaming Jim Haslett for the 3-13 and 13 season. I think the greatest coach on the planet would have gone 4-12, and 5-11, and 11, whatever it was, right. having to play the whole season on the road. I don't blame Jim Haslett for that. But Jim Haslett had probably, his expiration date had probably already reached for most teams before the 2005 season. So in the grand scheme of things, if Katrina doesn't happen, this New Orleans doesn't get Sean Payton. I'm not saying the city's lucky by any means because I don't want that to come off the wrong way. But I'm just telling you what would have happened, what, what doesn't happen. And so Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I don't think ever happened had Katrina not happened. But that's what it took. And you talk about, I think there would have been a lot of teams who after those three seven and nine seasons would have probably made a move. Even I was pro- thinking they should have made a move. It ended up being the right thing, and maybe we'll all sit here. Maybe the fans will sit here with egg on their face. Maybe I'll have egg on my face when all is said and done. But I doubt it. Well, you, they haven't really given you enough benefit of the doubt to not doubt them in in, in this sense. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's something that we all know this is make or break. Now, I mean, this is it. Like you, when you make these changes. The next person to go is the head coach. I mean, like I said, going into that 2017 season, Sean Payton had to get rid of all of his buddies, right. and he was next. And it wasn't going to be his call at that time because the two previous off seasons, it was going to be his call as he was trying to explore other options, and the Saints were open to letting him do that and maybe making a deal and that sort of thing. But uh, obviously that didn't come to fruition. But uh, – you know, this is this this is the way of the order. I mean, and you're seeing it across the league, even with coaches who even Matt Eberflus had to get rid of a bunch of coaches, and he had a better season. Didn't wasn't a winning season, but they improved to what I think they were think seven they and seven and ten, seven and ten. Yeah. So yeah, so they improved along the way, but they still had to make changes. And then, but if if it falls back, you know, the next piece is is the head coach. So that's certainly mm-hmm. something that. Uh, uh, we all know that's the case going forward. Well, and we look at, at the coaches. The uh, see, Here are some of the teams you see at the bottom of the screen who are in the process of hiring coaches or doing interviews. And these odds come from Bet Uh Bill Belichick, the favorite to be the Atlanta Falcons' uh, next coach, which we'll get into in a minute, but I find you, you find some of these names interesting. Carolina, the favorite there is Kellen Moore. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be a good coach going forward. We don't know. Dan Quinn, a retread. I don't understand why the Seahawks would want to do that. That's just interesting. Uh, why would you want to? That's familiarity. Those... That is. That and then, no uh, look, he, I mean, his name was, if the, if the Cowboys season didn't end the way it was, uh, you, we probably wouldn't be saying that about Dan Quinn. But, I mean, I think that's, uh, uh, you, look, it's almost like Dennis Allen. Like, he coached his way back into consideration. Like, it took some right. years. Uh, Dennis Allen was the same way. He coached his way back into consideration. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right. Um, look, let's talk about the Bill Belichick aspect of Atlanta if that happens. What do you think? Obviously, they would be in the uh, looking for a quarterback there. What? I mean, we, we've heard the names Russell Wilson. We've heard potentially a trade for Justin Fields. I mean, Bill, Bill Belichick's not going to go to Atlanta with the current quarterback situation. They would have to address that, don't you think? No coach will. I mean, the owner came out and said it. Like, that's, that, that ship is, 
sailed for Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke and whoever it is, it's some, it's going to be somebody different. And look, Bill's not going to go somewhere where he has the same sort of situation that he's leaving in new England. I mean, it's, that's the same thing you'd be walking into in Atlanta. Uh, And it, well, I'll be honest, honest, it goes to show you where their mindset is that, uh, that Ryan Nielsen is interviewing for the DC job with Jacksonville you know, so technically he's still employed by Atlanta, even though Arthur Smith got fired uh, and, and they haven't gotten rid of Nielsen, but they're, they're allowing him to, to test his options somewhere else, which would signify to me uh, Bill Belichick. Coming back? Coming Bill back Belichick is a defensive guy. Well, yeah, Ryan Nielsen. I don't, I, I, I can't see him coming back. Uh, right. Probably, but, but yeah, exactly. It's a, uh, but still it's a, uh, it kind of shows you that that's the thinking. And I know they've had, uh, like a second interview, I know they've uh, and and Bill is, I think in our reporting that we had even this morning that, you know he's sat down and had dinner with Arthur Blank and all this, so they're trying to hash this thing out, and you know it's uh, but yeah he's going in certainly new quarterback doing whatever you can to get somebody and it's probably a sense that maybe it's be more the veteran path. Just because Bill's not getting any younger, Arthur right. Blank's not getting any younger, so uh, they it would probably be more of the veteran path. And look, Justin Fields makes sense to me. Justin Fields makes more sense to me than Russell Wilson makes sense. Are you sh- are you convinced that the Bears are going to move on from Justin Fields? I'm not totally convinced, but it. I just look, they're in a I, position that they can, and it won't be that that big of a. I, deal. I know Bears fans are thinking maybe this, but look, if you pass on one of these these quarterbacks, right, and Fields flames out, and then all two of the three guys you could be talking about. I mean, you're talking Caleb Williams, but of course Drake May's up there, uh, Jane Daniels to a lesser degree. Jane Daniels could be a top ten pick. I just think Actually, there's so much more they could do with that first round pick. I think that you know you just committed to Justin Fields. It hasn't been that long. I mean, to give up on this guy and to think. He really hasn't had any offensive weapons in his defense. I can't believe I'm defending him because I've really kind of bashed him a little bit throughout the years. But what I saw the last half of this year has kind of changed my mind a little bit. I think maybe he can be the quarterback they were looking for if he had some weapons because D.J. Moore obviously made a big difference for him. And going forward, if you give this guy some real weapons, they had a better running game behind him. It wasn't great. But give him an offensive line and give him, like, two more wide receivers, I think this team could be okay. And I think Fields can be a, a, a good quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Justin Fields can be good, which is why I think Atlanta will try to go get him. Like, <laughs> you right. know, they could make an offer that could make it worth uh, Chicago's wild to do that. And then they say, well, we can go get our own quarterback. And then they have their own pick. Say, that's the thing. Like, if they stick with their, you know, you know the, their own pick or trade it away, could they get a couple of weapons? Sure. But could they stay get a quarterback that, you know, could be better in their eyes than Justin Fields and also get a weapon like someone – like they won't get Marvin Harrison Jr., but they could get like maybe Malik Neighbors or like someone like Brian sure. Thomas. Like I'm, I'm naming – those are legitimate. Say maybe. Yeah, like like I'm saying, there's some, there's some depth at wide receiver in this draft. I think so there's a lot of depth at wide receiver in this draft. A lot of good first-round talent. So this is something that – you can they can mix and match and say if they do trade Justin Fields, uh, they're getting more compensation right. to add to that, and on top of them having the number one pick, and on top of them having their own pick. So, like the, you got to think of it in that sense. It's you know it, it could be this could be a real boom 
uh, for Chicago. Uh, but, but also you don't want to see fields go to say Atlanta and then be great. And then it's the risk reward. I mean, they took Mitch Trubisky that blew up in their face. It could have had Patrick Mahomes. See, this whole thing is why it, it frustrates me even more watching the saints team and not making change because before when I was talking about, you know, maybe the saints would just stay status quo and just kind of bite the bullet next year because they're going to stink. Well, I mean, when, We've gone through the whole, I'm not going to go through the whole, he's obviously lost the locker room spiel again. I think we all know that. I think we've all heard that before. But so maybe on the other hand, why wouldn't you make a change now with all the things that you talk? I think this is going to be the most talented draft that we've seen in, in, in quite a while. I, I thought last year's was good, but I think this year's draft is going to be maybe one of the best in the last 10 or 12 years. I think it's beneficial also, say, for the Saints because we know they've got some areas to, to address and yeah, sure. your prime time areas like tackle, like defensive, tackle, you know, edge one, rusher, you know, edge rusher. Like they have pieces that, that will be good and strong uh, within this draft. And, you know, we're not, look, we could be realistic. They're not going to go quarterback in the first round. I wouldn't think. Nor should like, they. Like it, it, I mean, to me, it drops off after Daniels, and Daniels could go. Look, Daniels uh, could get drafted by the Falcons. Let's let's be. be it's honest. possible. I don't think he'll be there that long, but it's possible. But I will say this: if I don't care if one of those three guys drops or not, if the Saints don't take an offensive tackle with their first round pick, everyone in the in the GD room should be fired. I mean, that is like by far, and I said this last year, and no one listened and no one cares, and I get it, no one cares what I say. But I said it last year, and it's even twice as much so this year. Their number one need last year was an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle to be more specific. Their number one need by far, by far, it's not even argue. At least last year you could argue they needed an interior lineman. They went out and got Brian Brisset, whatever, and then drafted Isaiah Foskey with the second-round pick, which was absurd. There is no other need more pressing than offensive tackle, period, for this team. Again, they are complete morons if they don't take an offensive tackle with their first pick. And Dennis is coaching for his job. He's not coaching 100%. for three years from now. So, I, and they're, they're pinned with Derek Carr, and they have to make it work with what they have. And no one in a way that Mickey's, A, speaking, uh, and B, we know how this organization rolls. Like, they're still in win-now mode because, look, they go into next year, they could still be considered the favorite to win a division, even how Tampa's doing right yep. now. I mean, so it's uh, – They might be. I, I get their logic, but it's also – it's a logic where, I mean, you feel like there's only a ceiling, and the ceiling is not being, uh, you know, one of the top, top teams in the NFL. But, look, look here's the thing. the pro- You know what's making this probably worse is that Tampa edged in the playoffs, won a division – they beat up Philadelphia. What if they go upset Detroit? Like the Saints probably oh, we're see, gonna get into that in a minute. The Saints probably see, oh my gosh, we're just yeah. as good or better than them. We have an even better opportunity next year with the piece that we have. We'll see. All right. Speaking <laughs> Bulls of goal, maybe, probably. Larry doesn't have as much time with us as he usually does this morning. So we need to I'm on the move. clock actually today. Yeah. So okay, well, <laughs> like at, for, for my own job. All right. Well, we we have to uh, get move on and talk about the uh, NFL playoffs, which is what I want to do anyway. Uh, last week, Larry and I were together on five of the six picks. The one pick that we weren't together on, Larry was right. <laughs> I was wrong, but I, it's nothing to really brag about because we didn't really do all that great. We were mediocre last week. 
We're gonna I was be... three and three with my with my picks. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to change that this week. We're going to be good. <laughs> I actually last week uh, I didn't love my picks. This week I actually do. I really feel confident about my picks. Um, we'll see how that works out. And here we go. Let's start in the AFC. Uh, look, I asked this question, and, and you think about it, and you think about C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Is this the best? round divisional round uh, full of quarterbacks that we've ever seen and I know ever is a long time but when you talk about a group of four quarterbacks in all different spectrums you got young you got established you got a potential goat in there I mean it's all kinds of stuff going on here well it's I, w- I wish you would have told me I would have done the research to see uh, the only person maybe you're missing out of this group and it's 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 just because, like, you're you're you can't have that many. But say, right. like, you're missing like Joe Burrow and you're missing like Justin Herbert. But I mean, who do you replace? I mean, C.J. Stroud has been incredible. Absolutely, uh, Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP, and then you've got Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, it's it's going to make for a super intriguing. Like fun. these matchups are more intriguing overall than the NFC, even though I do like some of the NFC playoff storylines, but these matchups to me are, are super intriguing. I'm pumped to see, to watch them. So am I. And I tell you, uh, uh, as everyone's talking about Mahomes versus Allen, and, and obviously we've seen that before, but I am so interested to see how C.J. Stroud does going on the road in a cold environment. You know, people are talking about, oh, it's cold. It's a dome team, blah, blah, blah. C.J. Stroud was playing at Ohio State two years ago. I mean, so it's not like he hasn't played in the cold. It's not like it's something new. So, Wait to uh, my wife in the background if you're uh, watching live. She's getting packages. Uh, do, anything from <laughs> she, she's a <laughs> uh, uh, But, yeah, it's, yeah, that, cold weather. No, that doesn't matter. Doesn't like, C.J. Stroud has played, you know, in Michigan, like, road games exactly. like in Wisconsin. I'm like sure it was 18 played. degrees when he played there. Uh, but it's cold. It's, give me a break. Yeah, That's I mean, not it's not like it's it's warm in the big house and at the end of November. Yeah, it's not a big, fact. That, yeah. that won't be a fact. All right, let's get in our predictions. And we see the AFC odds on the screen. Baltimore, the overwhelming favorite at basically even money to win the AFC. It's got to start with a game this week where they are highly favored, nine-and-a-half-point favorites. We've all heard the talk about Lamar Jackson's record in the playoffs and how he's just been bad. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He's been bad in the playoffs. Is that going to change this week? Nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you like, Ravens and Texans? Open it all off, 3.30 tomorrow. On the athletic, my picks are live. I lone-wolfed this game. Lone wolf. I'm going upset. Texans. I love C.J. Stroud. I think he has nothing to lose. I think the Texans have nothing to lose. And the pressure's all on the Ravens. Top seed. Haven't done well with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Let's roll the dice. I'm taking Texans straight up. Um, bad news, my friend. <laughs> of course. I don't, ha- I don't have the, uh, the chutzpah, whatever you want to call it, to actually pick the Texans outright. But I wouldn't be. I said it and wrote it in my column. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if Houston won this game. I, I get all the trends, and I don't usually buck trends like dome teams going play in cold weather. And, and they're, they're, look, they're out there. I mean, they're, they're, the numbers aren't good at all. But I really think that C.J. Stroud, I can't ignore it anymore. You just can't. Uh, the way he's playing right now and the fact that Lamar Jackson has been awful in the playoffs, there's more to this. Uh, as Ronald says, MVP versus the rookie of the year. 
And uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, by the way, it's snowing in Baltimore. Yeah, but it won't be snowing when they play the game. I really don't think that weather's going to be that big of a factor, actually. It's going to be cold, but and people keep talking about wind, but from what I've seen, the wind's going to be more like 10 miles an hour. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, and it's not. there's going to be no precipitation. So I actually don't think weather's going to be that big of a factor, besides it's just going to be cold. And again, C.J. Stroud, you stood. I'm definitely taking the Texans in the 9.5. I think they play well, and I can't go as far as Larry to predict the outright upset. But if we come back here next week and talk about championship games and we're talking about Texans versus Chiefs or Bills, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. It really wouldn't. All right, let's talk about that one. Obviously, that is the marquee matchup of the weekend. Sunday, 5.30 on ESPN, at least 5.30 Central Time. Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mahomes' first-ever road, true road playoff game. What do you got? Well, look, Mahomes has not been Mahomes all year. And that's why they're basically in a situation they're in. They're not, not a bye week. They're, you know, they're having to play a road game, divisional round. But I'm going with Mahomes. I'm going with the Chiefs. I feel like uh, I feel like the Bills. They play well, but they could be had. And until Josh Allen can knock off the Chiefs in the playoffs, give me a, give me the goat among these uh, th- this quartet of quarterbacks. I, and the elements won't obviously they won't affect the Chiefs. Uh, so I'm going Chiefs in the upset. I'm picking two upsets in the AFC. Josh Allen three and one against the Chiefs in the regular season. Zero and two in the playoffs. But he would have won if blah blah blah. Woulda coulda shoulda. He didn't win. And I'm so sick of hearing Josh Allen is one of the best top four or five quarterbacks in the NFL. He he goes through spurts where he just disappears, throws it to the other team. I don't understand why everyone thinks he's as great as he is. He's fun to watch because you don't know what that is. You're going to say he's not a top five quarterback. Come on. I, I really don't think he is. I got to be honest. Who's your top five? New debate. I, we'll talk about that. I, let me go do some <laughs> research. I, I can tell you this. I'd rather have I'd rather have Joe. Are we talking about long term or are we just talking about like I got one game right now? Uh, what's the difference? There's a big opinion. difference. If I'm going forward, I'd rather have C.J. Stroud than Josh Allen. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he's a rookie, sure. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, Josh Allen's only been in the league for, what, five years? It's not like it's that it's far It's 2018. Off. All right, forget all that. I'm not betting <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, okay? I'm just not. I, until he's gone, until he proves that I'm not supposed to bet on him, I don't care. It's exactly what you said. So bad news for you again, my friend. We're on the same side. I'm taking Kansas City in the points. Actually, I want. I think Kansas is going to win straight up here as well. I think plus 124 is a great value. And I hope I'm wrong because Buffalo is the only future I have left that's still alive. I have a nice chunk on the Buffalo Bills. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I can. my ticket is still alive when we come here and talk next Friday. But Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen in the playoffs? Taking Patrick Mahomes. I don't see how you can. Cannot. So, talking about potential GOAT against... Uh, who knows? I'm trying to think. Like the only person, like quarterback, who's beaten him, like Joe Burrow. Like I can't even. And Tom Brady. Like that's all of. I take Joe. Him. I mean, Joe Burrow's hurt, but I would take a healthy Joe Burrow right now over Josh Allen. I would take Patrick Mahomes over Josh Allen. I'd have to think about it. Lamar Jackson stinks in the playoffs, but I'd probably take Brock Purdy over Josh Allen. I. I mean, how far do we want to go with this thing? That's just three right there that are in the playoffs right now. Well, we're talking top five. He could be mm-hmm. fifth. Why can't he be fifth? We'll talk about it next week. I'm going to give you my list next week. I want to okay. think about it. All right, we're moving on to the NFC. we got about five, four or five minutes left. Um, look, I think I'd be shocked if, if, if you're going to – you're not going to be a lone wolf 
picking the Packers here, but do you think the Packers will keep it close Saturday night, 7-15 on Fox? The Packers, and it's kind of been edging. It's been a steady line, but it started out at 10, quickly jumped to 9.5, where it is now the Packers, 9.5-point underdogs at San Francisco. I mean, I'm I look, I'm going San Francisco. Uh, look, do I think Green Bay is playing better? For sure. I mean, they were jo- uh, Jordan Love, and we've talked about it a lot actually on the pod, that he's, look, since half the midseason, he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And um, look, the Packers are, are lucky that they got him. I mean, right. because he's going to be their future, and that's that's cool to see for them. But, uh, yeah, I, look, I think San Francisco – uh, all the pieces they're kind of after kind of getting shell shocked by the Ravens. I think they're all coming together now that there's a reason why when you look at look, the Super Bowl odds, why, even though they lost to the Ravens that they're still the favorite. And I, I believe that to be true as well. So look, I, I'm going 49ers here. Uh, here's a little nugget for you. You know, that list of 157 coaches that have coached at least 70 games uh, in the history of the NFL, Matt LaFleur is on that list. Where do you think he ranks? Probably pretty high. Number nine is the <laughs> ninth highest winning percentage of coaches that have coached at least 70 games, just ahead of Paul Brown. So that's saying something. He's 56 and 27, Matt LaFleur. And that, I've said it all year long. I, th- I thought once that he got out from under this Aaron Rodgers cartoon joke, uh, who just a mess. I think that Matt LaFleur is going to be with the Green Bay Packers for a long, long time. I think Jordan Love is going to be a really solid quarterback, uh, but not this week. I think the 49ers win and they cover. Uh, so are you saying they, they, they win by more than nine? I'll say they cover. Yeah. yeah. So we're both saying they cover. We're three for three together. That is, I don't know. Well, man. betting I don't know. terms, I mean, look, I took the Texans straight up. That's yeah, bold. But- this old is, baby i'm sports betting writer so another we're, we're together and look again I, I again i don't you are bold you're bolder than i but again i i don't think uh you're way off base there see the nfc odds by the way san francisco is almost a two to one favorite to win the nfc which tells me and i haven't heard a single person not a single person think that anyone other than san francisco is winning the nfc and whenever you hear that, whenever you see that logo that's all the way across the screen and everyone's picking the same thing, never happens. And if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be the Detroit Lions. They play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, 2 p.m. We got one last shot at descent. What do you have here? I am going Lions, but I won't pick them to cover. I'll, uh, I, think, I think Tampa somehow keeps this close. I could be wrong. Lions might... All of a sudden, Scorch and Baker Mayfield might, you know, fall back into the ways of where he struggles against good teams. Uh, but I think I think it's uh, there's going to be a nervy factor. But I do think that Detroit will win, but not cover. Okay. Well, we finally have our first descent. I actually think this is going to be the most lopsided game of the entire weekend. You could be right. I, I, just, I, I think I the Lions think blow the Bucks out of the building. I don't understand why anyone thinks Tampa Bay is any good whatsoever. I think that last week can be thrown out of the window. I'm really upset with myself that I didn't see through the Eagles just quitting because that's what they did. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts was on. They none of all those guys. They couldn't wait for that to, to be over with. Uh, that game to be over with. That's amazing uh, for the, the really town is. on that team. That's what amazing. a mess! It's just a mess. I mean, because and then the week before that, they beat the the Panthers in a game they had to win. Panthers scored two touchdowns that got called back. Panthers should have won that game. Saints would have been in the playoffs. And you know what? They'd still be. They'd be the ones going to Detroit this week because they would have beat that that Philadelphia team as well in the dome. I, I think Tampa Bay, and then they got shellacked the week before that by the Saints. I just don't think they're any good. I don't think they can, the, the pass defense, which has been terrible, they got a decent pass rush. I just don't think they're going to be able to get to Jared Goff because the Detroit offensive line is that good. Um, and although the Tampa Bay rushing defense is pretty good, I do think that David Robinson, uh, David Robinson, David Montgomery will supersede that and be able to get past it along with Jameer Gibbs to give him a little lightning and thunder. I think Detroit wins this game by 20. I really do. And I, I don't think you, you could be right. I, I I probably in hindsight, look, I made my pick, whatever. In hindsight, I mean, I, that you could be right. Like, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I, you know, it's, but weird things happen in the playoffs. Yeah, they do. And you're so right. That's, uh, but yeah, look, I think Detroit wins. But like I said, I, I mean, will say this. it could be a blowout. But hey. If, if it is Detroit, I'm not putting money on any of this, so hey, whatever. No, well, I did. I already put my money down. <laughs> uh, I will say this. If it is Detroit and San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, I think that game could be a whole lot of fun. I would be looking forward to that for sure. Look, I think any uh, – well, regardless, I, I think uh, in the AFC, I think any of those games will be fun, whoever wins. But, yeah, I think you want – I think you want San Francisco, Detroit. That would be a huge – Huge storylines there, and I, I'm sure TV would would rather that too. But and TV probably wants no part of the Texans getting in, so I get that too. All right, well, unless something happens with the Saints, I think next week we will probably be focusing mostly on the conference championships and uh, our thoughts, and maybe talk about uh, if there are any head coaching hirings. There will be some NFL news this week. I promise. You. I don't know exactly what it's going to be. And maybe there will be Saints news. If the, if the Saints hire an offensive coordinator, we will be talking about that next Friday. But we'll have to wait and see. I know this. Barring something weird happening, something going on, Larry Holder will be with me next week on the deck. I will be. I will be. But and uh, like I'm willing to bet I, this isn't going to be the boldest bet ever. But by the time we talk next week, uh, Jim Harbaugh will be the Chargers coach. That's really. I'll, 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 that's where I'm going with that one. So okay, you'll, well. I, you'll have at least one vacancy filled by the time we talk next week. Probably more, but at least one. Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers. I don't know why I think he's staying in Michigan unless he just wants to, you know, he knows he's going to be in a hole. He already won there. He can move on. Yeah. Good times. He doesn't have to deal with recruiting anymore. Good he can go spy go on whoever he wants, I guess, except you yeah. can get caught with that too. I can go to the Chargers. I can hate him there as much as I hate him now. <laughs> all right, Larry Holder, we'll see you next week. You got it. Jim Harbaugh, I'm not a fan at all. Not a fan at all of Jim Harbaugh. Ugh. That'd be a name. I'd, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I would rather Dennis Allen stay here than bring in Jim Harbaugh. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is good for the NFL. I don't think he's good for whatever team he's going to go for. I think he's a miserable human being who should just stay in Michigan. But coaches do think for selfish reasons, and he may know, the future at Michigan is not bright with all the things that are coming up on the horizon. And uh, just like the NFL has it out for John Gruden, college football's got it out for Jim Harbaugh. He may be forced to leave Michigan. So who knows? We'll find out if Larry's right soon enough. Uh, as before we go out today, you know, I, I haven't had a 
stuff my uh, son says segment very often. We have had a uh, we have had a debate this week, and I kind of brought it up with Larry. If you're listening this far, about Josh Allen, and we started arguing about whether Josh Allen is a top three quarterback in the NFL. And look, I can kind of get it if you feel that way. I mean, I don't agree with you. I mean, I can name three names off the top of my head. Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, Brock Purdy. Those are just three names that I would rather have right now. I'm thinking C.J. Stroud may be on this list next year. Uh, you could make a case for Lamar Jackson if you want. Uh, you could go through and talk about other quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, what about Matthew Stafford? I mean, I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about building a franchise. But so, whatever. The fact that you're arguing about whether he's a top three quarterback, I can come back and tell you who I think the top three quarterbacks are. The point of this is, he starts, his way of arguing with me was, after we finish arguing for five or so minutes via text, he comes back at me with, he says, it's not looking good for you, and sends me screenshots of four 20-something doofuses who obviously all think Josh Allen is in the top three. Two of them had C.J. Stroud as a top three quarterback right now. If you, and I, and I, just, I like cut this off. If you think C.J. Stroud is a top three quarterback right now, then I don't, I'm sorry. If people say certain things, I'm just going to cut them off and stop listening. Kind of like I did with Mickey Lomas when he was comparing Dennis Allen to the four guys that we've been talking about all day. I just stop. I can't listen to you anymore. I'm not listening to your gum chewing behind if you're going to keep on, if you're going to spew that kind of nonsense. If you're going to tell me because you're 20-something and you've been watching football for, what, all of 15 years and really paying attention for like the last six or seven, and you're putting C.J. Stroud in the top three quarterbacks right now, I have no use for your opinion whatsoever. But stuff my son says. I'm in trouble because he sent me those screenshots of the opinions of those 20-somethings. Oh, man, I, sh I just qu should quit doing a show. I mean, if they're telling me, you know, if the 20-somethings of the world don't agree with me, then I should just quit talking here. That's right? Oh. oh, Lord. That's where we are right now. It's, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a sad time as we go out. But it's always kind of a bittersweet weekend. It's Probably my favorite football weekend of the year. I mean, last, last weekend's a good one, too, because you had 12 games. You had all kinds of stuff going on. You had some weather games and issue. But to me, this is the best one because you have these eight teams now that are fighting to get to the conference championship games. And I think the level of play in this, usually in this round, is top-notch. Now, you could make an argument Tampa is going to get their asses kicked and Green Bay is a great story, but that could end. Some of you think Houston's a great story. It's going to be a whatever. But you have two football games on Saturday and two on Sunday. The bittersweet part of it is when it's over, you know there are only three football games left in this 2023 season. And that's the part that is, you know, you go, look, I, when it's football offseason, 80% of what I do, it used to be 65 or 70%. Now it's like 80% of what I do, maybe even 
And I know it's different now because you start looking forward to the draft and blah, 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 and whatever. But to me, when this weekend's over, it's kind of over. I mean, of course, I'm looking forward to the, the championship games, and I'm going to go through and handicap them, and we're going to make great picks, and we're going to have some winners for you. And I think Uncle Big Nick's coming on back next week. But I, to me, it's kind of, this is like, it's like Sunday night. You know, when you, when you had vacation time, and that Sunday night of vacation, after, especially when you've had like two weeks off, if you've had two weeks off and you, it's Sunday night and you're going back to work on Monday, what are you feeling like on that Sunday night? It's not quite over yet. You haven't had dinner yet, so it's not quite over. But you're, like, you're not thinking about that dinner you're about to have. You're thinking about, oh, i got to go back to work tomorrow. That's kind of what this weekend's like and when it's over. There's just three games left. So it's kind of bittersweet. But anyway, it's all over for the New Orleans Saints. We know that. All they have to do is hire an offensive coordinator. And it's over. But there should be more change. John Waite says. I mean, just think about it. Change. That's all we're asking for. We got a little bit. Is a little bit enough for you? You know, I have, I've actually got some emails and some comments that are defending Mickey Loomis. I mean, uh, Jay Brandell says, who says he's my biggest fan, by the way. He says, Sir, you can't be struggling with this. Bill Belichick was a 32-56 and 56 head coach on October 13, 2000. This is around the time he met Tom Brady. I'm not sure why this is so hard for everyone. Well, first off, Mr. Brandell, where's Tom Brady? Do we see a Tom Brady in this team's future? Uh, the answer to that would be a big fat no. Dennis Allen's never going to make it to, if there's a potential Tom Brady. It ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. Second of all, I would be willing to bet um, a large buffet and po' boys for a week that Bill Belichick had the respect of his locker room in 2000, whenever his record was, whatever you say it was. Dennis Allen, we know, doesn't have that. So what does this team name? It's not going to get it. It's going to get it in the form of offensive coordinator. Is that enough? We'll find out. Again, I hope I'm sitting here eating crow next January. Please, for the love of God, let me eat crow. That would be a change, wouldn't it? Hmm. You know what else would be a change? Me going 4-0 this weekend. Can I go 4-0? That would be quite a change. We'll see if it happens. Everyone, enjoy your football watching weekend. Don't get sad when it's over. Don't get sad like me. Don't get melancholy, because we will be back here next Friday to talk more Saints We'll be talking NFC, AFC Championship games, and maybe give a peek. We'll tell you who we think is going to be in the Super Bowl next week here on Datitude. Peace and love, my friends. Yes,